Now, get out your notes. We are continuing the series that we've been calling One. And uh, at the beginning of the series, we asked you a question that we believed is the most important question. Who is Jesus? And we stated that this is the most important question because your faith in him is the most important thing to you. And we can find out who our friends believe Jesus is. And, and we, can, we said we can ask our parents who they think Jesus is. You can ask your grandparents who they think Jesus is. You can ask your college professor who he or she thinks Jesus is. You can even go to YouTube and you'll get a bunch of answers, answers about who Jesus is. But what Jesus claims about himself is the most important thing. We need to ask Jesus who he says he is. And in this series, this has been our series big idea because this is who Jesus claimed to be. Jesus is God, therefore he is Lord. We've discovered that Jesus claimed to be God, and we discovered that he claimed to be not just God, he claimed to, to, to show us that he is the bread of life. We looked at that in week two, that what you consume will eventually consume you, and he's asking you to consume him. He's a bread of life. He, we, we looked at a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Lance with, with, was with us, and we looked at Jesus claimed to be the door, the one who would only, he's the only access to his to God, He's the only access to the way of life, and that when we when we turn to Him and trust in Him and go through Him, because He's the door. And last week, um, Bishop Lewis talked to us about being the good shepherd. Jesus claimed to be the good shepherd who loves us and cares for us by providing for us and protecting us. And today we're going to unveil another claim of Jesus. And this a claim of Jesus is found in John chapter seven. But I want to set the stage for you. Because where this stage is set, where, where the scenery and what's going on in, in, with Jesus and the disciples illuminates the meaning of Jesus' claim that he is the light of the world. This, the Feast of Tabernacles was one of three main celebrations that the Hebrew tradition celebrated. It had been a part of their celebration for 2,000 years. And Jesus and his disciples with the entire nation of Israel was celebrating this festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. And to give this perspective of how long this was celebrated, it was in 1870 that the United States began to, it made these four official holidays, these four staples in America, the New Year's Day, uh, Independence Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day. It's only been 152 years that we've been celebrating these as a nation. Israel had been celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles for 2,000 years. Every year for 2,000 years, this was a part of their culture. And we see the start of this in Exodus chapter 23, verses 14 through 16. We're not going to read that, but you can look at that in your, in your spare time. And, but in this, we see that the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, as some would call it, or ingathering, was a Hebrew tradition that God commanded Moses to have Israel observe to remind Israel of God delivering them from Egypt. This Hebrew tradition celebrated the completion of this agricultural year. And the Jews would build booths or these small little homes or huts or tabernacles and, and outside, their, outside their homes as temporary shelters to commemorate their deliverance from slavery in Egypt by the hand of God and how they would spend time in the wilderness. And later, the Jews would introduce two ceremonial elements to the original festival to serve as reminders of God delivering them from the slavery. And the first was in, in, uh, this was a ceremony of drawing water from the Pool of Siloam. 
And they would draw water from the pool of Siloam to remember how God provided water from the rock in the desert of Horeb. This was the time, this ceremony was a symbolic reminder of when God commanded Moses to strike the rock in the desert of Horeb, and that water would supply the entire nation, millions of people, and give them water to drink. The second ceremony was also symbolic. Each evening, there was a ceremonial lighting of the lamps to remember the pillar of fire that protected Israel in the darkness. This served as the reminder of when God was with Israel in the pillar of fire by night and that God would protect Israel during the 40 years of wandering. This festival was the most popular. And when I say the most popular, it was the most celebrated. They had the most fun at this. While the Passover was a festival that was the most meaningful, this was the one that everybody loved and looked forward to. And it's with this understanding, with this in the backdrop, I want us to read John chapter 7, when John would write this, on the last and greatest day of the festival. So not only is this like the most fun one that they're looking for, he's like, this is the most fun day of them all. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, when you say something in a loud voice, you're obviously wanting to be heard. So Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Man, I can only imagine what John may have been thinking about as the Holy Spirit was helping him recall this and inspiring him to write this down in this moment. Jesus standing up in the middle of that. They just maybe poured water on the altar. (laughs) They just celebrated the rock of Horeb. And Jesus stands and declares with a loud voice, let all, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. (laughs) For whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. We've talked about that word believe as that word for trust. Whoever trusts in me. Out of them, rivers of living water will flow. And this scripture that Jesus is referring to is from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, where God, through the voice of Isaiah, would talk to the nation of Israel, calling them back to him. He would say, repent, repent of your rebellion and, and follow my ways. Because when you do that, then after you repent and follow my ways, then rivers that uh, you will be a well-watered garden, exactly what Isaiah says. You'll be a well-watered garden whose spring rivers will never cease to flow. And John clarifies what Jesus means by this. He goes, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. And so others asked, how can this Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David Lived? I mean, you can see them questioning, who is this Jesus? Some said a prophet, some say he's a Messiah, and the others are like, did he come from Galilee? They can't even get over the fact that he was from Galilee. It's like some people, maybe your hometown, maybe it was Leavenworth. You came from Leavenworth? <laughs> and in this, thus the people, they say, John says this, were divided because of Jesus. See, this is why who is Jesus? 
is the most important question that we can ask. The answer to this question will either unite us or divide us. Verse 44, some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why do they want to seize him? Well, Jesus stirred the crowd up by calling them to come to him. In this very symbolic reminder that that Israel went to this rock in Horeb to find provision and find sustenance in this life-giving water, Jesus is making this claim, come to me. And they, this was anger because Jesus was elevating himself, not above, he was elevating himself above Moses. He would say, it's not about Moses. And he, he said, he was elevating himself to be the source of life. He was elevating himself as God. And Jesus was making a big statement. See, Jesus used the metaphor of living water to reveal he is the source of life. People, I mean, they were confused about this. Maybe you're confused about this today. What is, why would Jesus say this? I mean, they didn't understand who Jesus was. Mind you, they, 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 and, 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 and they became angered, and a lot like me, and maybe like you, because we get angry at the things we don't understand. And in this moment, Jesus is placing himself above Moses, who brought water from the rock. And Jesus is saying, he is that rock. And Jesus is declaring even something bigger. He's saying that all who believe, all who trust in him, can drink from the life-giving water only he can supply. And, mm, this is awesome, out of those who drink from him, they will be a source of living water. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. See, not only will you find life, but you can give people access to life. All who are thirsty, maybe you're thirsty, come to me and drink, believe in me, and receive unending, Jesus says, and ever-satisfying life. See, to believe in Jesus is to trust he is the source of life. What a claim what a claim to make on this most celebrated day in the nation of Israel. Whoever trusts in him will receive the source of life. This is an amazing claim, right? But that's not the claim we're talking about today. Actually, we're going to be talking about what he, Jesus says on the tales of this conversation. It's on the tales of this conversation that Jesus makes the I am statement we're going to talk about today. And it's in verse 12 of chapter 8. And you go, Casey, wait, didn't we just skip like uh, some verses there? Yes, we did skip um, John chapter 7, verse 53 to John chapter 8, verse 11. And the reason we skipped this for this reason today is it, it's a great reason. Um, is those verses might be italicized in your uh, version. Maybe you have a New Testament or an English Standard Version. It may be italicized or there might be an asterisk. And in the footnote of that, it says the earliest manuscripts did not include this story of Jesus saving the woman who was caught in adultery. Now, while the earliest manuscripts didn't include it, doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I, this is a, you might think, well, this is the reason I don't know if I can trust Scripture. Actually, I'd argue that this is a great reason you can trust Scripture. Because these theologians, these people who have, have studied all the textual proofs that we have of the New Testament, they tell you we have enough proof that the earliest documents don't include this story. 
However, this was so circulated by the church at one point that it became a part of that canon of it, that, part of the canonized scripture that it was included in John's writing. We don't know how it got in there, but the earliest documents don't have it. And so you can rest assured that the earliest documents that you have are accurate and, and what you have in your Bible shows what the first century church had. And this is a great reason to trust the scriptures. They have verified this according to the most early accounts of the first century. Now, this doesn't mean there's no reason to trust that the story of Jesus saving the woman with the issue of uh, caught in adultery didn't happen. In fact, John writes at the end of John chapter 8 that so much that Jesus did couldn't even be contained in the paper. Like, there's not enough paper to tell you all the great things Jesus had done. And I believe, as many people believe, that was one of the great things Jesus had did. And maybe it did happen in this celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. But in the original writing, John says that Jesus makes this claim that come to me all you who are thirsty. And then it goes right in to this next section. And so it's on the heels of this amazing celebration that John writes what Jesus says after calling people to come to him, trust in him, and receive the living water from him. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, can you imagine with me? Put yourself there in that scene. This fun celebration that everybody's just joyful. Jesus just claimed to be the, better than the rock of Horeb. And now, in the shadow, or in the shadows and in the, 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 the glow of the torches that are illuminating the courtyards of Jerusalem, Jesus joins in that celebration for millennia. And he says, I am the light of of the world. He takes this metaphor that pointed them to what God would do in the desert, and he would tell everyone, and he would tell them, the great I am would be standing there with them and say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus' claim to be the light of the world is his claim to be the source of life and the only protection from evil. Just as fire protected the Israelites from the invading evil nations, only Jesus can save us from the evil that has corrupted our hearts. It's by believing and trusting in Jesus that he is God. It's by trusting that he is Savior and trusting him enough to follow him as Lord that we have life. We receive life, and it's by following Jesus. Jesus says, when you follow me, it's only when you follow me that you will never walk in darkness. It's when you follow me that you have the light of life. And this is why I think many people never experience the full value or the fullness of salvation. They believe, we believe in Jesus, and we, we know, okay, I believe he's God. I don't know if I'm going to follow his way of life. See, it's only in following Jesus that we get to experience him as light and have the light of that life. Only in following him do we have the light in the dark of times. Only in following Jesus do we experience his life in the middle of the shadow of the valley of death, in the middle of the darkest hours of life. See, it's not just about intellectually knowing uh, who, that Jesus is God. 
It's about believing so much that you follow. See, when you believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, you will trust in him by following him. Belief leads to obedience. Belief leads us to obey. And when we believe Jesus is God, as God, and when we trust in him and follow him, this is when we have the light of life. This is why John would begin his gospel account of Jesus in this way. He would say, in the beginning was the word. And in the original Greek, this was a, a very unique word. He says logos. And in, this, in the beginning was the word logos. And in this, in the word, the logos was with God and was, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the Logos. And in this, this word in the Greek language is like the basic block for reason. You can't have the basic block for reasoning without a, the foundation of a word. And, and Jesus would say, John would say this about Jesus. He's the meaning behind everything. He is the reason for everything. Jesus was life. And that Logos was a light for all humanity. Jesus is the reason for life and the source of life and light for all creation. See, life is the source of light, but even light has to come from a source. And just as the source of earth's light is from the star that's closest to us, the sun, Jesus is claiming to be the source of life for all because he is the source of light. For all. He is the light of life. He's what the energy from the sun takes its energy from. He is the rock of Horeb. He is the source that gives power. He is the one that can only give life. And just as a sunflower turns to the, toward the sun, the source of light, we too must turn to follow Jesus, God's son, because he is the source of life the light-giving light. See, Jesus is the source of light who leads us to follow his way of life. Because that's what light is. Light is to be followed. Light illuminates the way. Jesus, the light of the world, invites you and I to follow him. And Jesus' way of life, the Jesus way of life, the reason he invites you to follow his way is because the Jesus way of life is the way to life. It is the way. Whoever follows me, he says, will never walk in darkness. See, to follow Jesus is to avoid evil. In his prayer, the, the most famous prayer that Jesus ever quote, said, in, in fact, in all Christendom, is the Lord's Prayer. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus would say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And many people will interpret that in, in a good way. Um, they'll say, don't let evil happen to me. But I don't believe that's exactly what Jesus was saying there. When Jesus said, lead me not into temptation, but he was contrasting, but deliver me from evil. In other words, deliver me from being the one who causes the evil. See, what if we would follow his way be led away from temptation, be led away from the darkness of temptation and, and follow the light of life, follow his way and do the loving thing 
which is the selfless thing that protects us from doing the evil thing. Follow me. You will never walk in darkness. See, following Jesus is the only way, the only way to navigate the darkness. See, it's the only way to navigate the dark world with all the temptations in which we live. It's the only way to navigate the darkness when the circumstances don't go our way and things get hard. See, let me ask you a question. Do we fear the darkness as much as do we fear what's hidden in the dark? See, we all know that darkness can't hurt us. You all, we all know that it's not the darkness that can hurt us. It's what is in the dark that we don't see, that Lego. <laughs> I don't speak from experience at all. See, darkness can be perceived as a threat to our existence. But it's really what's in the dark. And when we are scared in the dark, what are we looking for? Light. We want light. And John would write about Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 5. He would say, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus would declare no circumstance, no evil can put out his light. There is no darkness that when you have the light of life can overcome you. See, you have nothing to fear when you are trusting in Jesus and following him. When you follow Jesus and trust in him, you have nothing to fear. When we follow Jesus, nothing can overcome his life in us. No darkness, no evil, no sickness, no death, no circumstance, no past sin, and no past regret can overcome. Come under and take and take out the power of God's light in you. See, Jesus claimed to be the light for all, to give light to all and point all to him. And the religious elite didn't like this. In fact, this is their response. They challenge him. In verse 13, they say, Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know from where I came and I know where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass no judgment on no one. But if I do judge, and let me just put a parenthetical in here. One day he will judge. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. He goes, if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, and this is the law of Moses or what we have in our Old Testament. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? And he says this, you do not know me or my father. And here he's saying, you think you know God? You don't know God. You don't know me. If you knew me, if you knew me, you would know my father also. If you knew me, this is why who is Jesus is the most important question. Because you want a clear picture of who God is? Don't look anywhere else 
than Jesus. See, Jesus' response to their question, where is your father, was his claim that he was one with the father. And now, mind you, it would be later in a couple verses that we would read, Jesus would declare he is the I am, that before Abraham was, I am. We talked, opened up the series with that statement. He would say here, if you knew me, you would know my father. See, do you want to know God? I mean, college student, do you want to know God? Maybe you have some friends that are wanting to know God. Maybe you have some family members that are wanting to know God. Maybe you want to know God. Maybe you're trying to explore and search and try to find, will God just show up in my life and show me who he is? I want to show you that Jesus says, look, no, do not look past him. He wants you to see that when you see him, you see God. To know God, you have to know Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, you know God. You cannot know God if you ignore Jesus because it's only in knowing Jesus that you know God. And when you trust and follow Jesus, you have life. When you know Jesus, you know the source of all life. And because you've come to a light of all who gives light to all who trust in him as Savior and follow him. Lord. I am, he says, the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here's the teaching big idea that I want to leave you with today. See, Jesus is the light for all people to know God and have life. Jesus is the light for all people to know God, and more than that, to have the life, because God is is light. This is why who is Jesus is the most important question. He is the light that reveals who God is, and he, is the, he reveals what God is like in a world searching to know what God is like. Jesus is the only way to have life, a life that people are searching for. They're trying to find life. And he's saying, come to me, all you who are thirsty and looking for life. Don't go to these other sources. Don't go to those relationships. Don't go to those things. Don't go to your achievements. Don't go to your career. Don't go to your success. Come to me. I am the source. I am the light for all. And if you don't come to me, You'll experience darkness if you don't follow me, the light of life. Maybe that's you today. You want to have life, but you feel like you're in the dark. (laughs) Jesus wants you to follow him so you can experience his life in the middle of the dark circumstances that you are in. So you can experience his peace, because isn't that what we have In the darkness, as soon as a light comes on, you feel a peace. He wants you to experience that peace. Even though you're not at peace in the circumstances around you. And Jesus wants you to experience the life of his kingdom because he has overcome the darkness of sin. He wants you to experience his life-giving righteousness instead of the darkness of your shame. So how do we follow Jesus and experience this light of life? Three simple things I want to leave you with. Follow Jesus. First, following Jesus and his truth in Scripture illuminates the next step on the dark path of life. See, Scripture reveals who Jesus is. You cannot know God without knowing Jesus, and you cannot know Jesus unless you're reading Scripture. This is why reading Scripture is so important. This is why this 40-day journey is so important as we are listening to the Gospels of Jesus because you need to know Jesus because it's only in knowing Jesus, following him, that you will have life. 
See, the scripture leads us to know Jesus and have a relationship with God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. We're not going to be in the dark when we, when we see Jesus through the light of scripture and we follow him. The Holy Spirit will use this to lead us into the wisdom of God to navigate the dark world. The second thing is that we follow Jesus in, in his truth in scripture because it leads us away from temptation. It leads you and I away from temptation. Truth leads you and I away from temptation. When you follow Jesus, we will be led away from temptations when they come. This is the reason that, that, that Psalm 119, is so powerful. He says, the David says, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The reason we give into the darkness of temptation is because the truth is not in us. John 8, 32, we talked about it in the past, but he would say that if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, we don't experience freedom because we don't have the truth in us. We're not holding on to the truth. We're not following Jesus. And we can, without following Jesus, we can't experience the light of life. This is why you must hide his word in your heart. Those who follow Jesus, knowing his truth, will never walk in the darkness or under the ignorance of the power of evil. See, those who follow Jesus will be led away from giving in to temptation. And his truth will protect us from sinning. And last, those who follow Jesus reflect his light to a dark world who needs life. See, there are people where you live, work, study, and play who are crying out. Next door to you, on the other side of the cubicle of you, the desk next to you, they're searching for life. And they're looking Because Jesus would look at the church, the future of the church, and he would tell the future of the church in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Church, you are. You are the light of the world. Out of you will flow rivers of living water, but only out of your own thirst, out of your own hunger, out of your own need, will you come to him, the source of all life? God is life and he wants to be your source. So if you're here today, and you're looking for ev in every other solution for life, but you've not come to Jesus or you've considered it, but you've never done it. Today, I want you to come to him. Put your trust in him as your life. Maybe you're here today and, and there's been a sin that you've been hiding. There's been something that you've not confessed to God because you've been holding on to it. And you think, God, I just know you know this. But he's, no, 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 no. I want you to expose it to my light. Because you know what light does? Light heals. Life brings healing. God's light brings healing. And as we sing, maybe you need to come to Jesus. and Or maybe you've been following Christ, but there's been something that he's been... Know, he's been pressuring you on to confess to him and you haven't done it yet and you need to do that today and the third thing is this maybe God is wanting you to let your light shine and not hide it under a bushel maybe there's people around you that he's asking 